Welcome in to 2 for 1 Drafts. Austin Gale with Mike Renner here on a lovely Tuesday morning here in the PFF offices in Cincinnati, Queen City, Chris Collinsworth City in the United States. Uh, doing a ton of fun stuff. Remember, you can catch us on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. You can also catch us on Sirius XM Radio Channel 88 on Fridays. They're going to have this yeah. there once a week, two-hour show, a lot of good stuff. We bring up what's... Mm, we're probably going to be repeating a lot of the same stuff. We're repeating a lot of the same <laughs> stuff, but if you want to hear it a second time, you know, yeah. sometimes you need, not just once, you need a second time. We're going to be talking to the same players in this draft class, yeah. ad nauseum all throughout the offseason. I, that's the thing. There's only a, there's a limited amount of players. There's a lot of players, but there's a limited amount, and you can't like yeah. change your takes on exactly. guys. So you have a take exactly. on a guy, and that's the take. Well, the some analysts do change their takes this on guys. That, that's that's how it changes. That's but make sure to check us out on SiriusXM. We're also going to be down in Indianapolis for the combine. Come out to Indy, just say hello. We got a live show, a live PFF NFL show coming on that Friday of that week. You More know, details fans, to come. Fans are welcome. Details to come. But again, a lot of fun stuff happening with the host for two for one drafts, Austin Gale and Mike Renner. We got a good show today. We're going to go through the latest two round mock draft, the first two round mock draft for the 2020 NFL draft PFF release. That is live on PFF.com. We also got a little snapshot of it on the ticker below if you are tuning in live on YouTube. Let's start with round two. Let's get to the pick 33. We've been talking pick one, Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. go Tigers to the Cincinnati Bengals. It's time to go Cincinnati Bengals. Second pick, 33. They go Cameron Dancer of Mississippi State. Touch on Cameron for me. I know we've talked about him. Mm, I'm not going to touch Cameron. Don't touch Sorry. him. Don't, don't touch him. You don't have to touch him. But Cameron Dancer, we've talked about him a ton. Yeah. But Everyone. So I went on a Bengals podcast with Dan Horde, the, the voice of the Cincinnati Bengals, Dan Horde. And he said, every single Cincinnati Bengals fan that comes up to him says, we need linebacker. We need yeah. linebacker they in the do. second round. They do. And I'm not saying they don't, but you have them going cornerback, Cameron Dancer at the top of round two. And I love that pick. Yeah. And it's another thing about like kind of where the value goes in the draft. You can't just chase like when you draft Billy Price at number 20, whatever, 23 yeah. overall, and he turns out to be butt cheeks just because you were chasing that position. The, in the draft, the way this one's set up, you had Zach Bond, Kenneth Murray, Patrick Queen go in the five picks before them. Mm-hmm. You had three linebackers. Yeah. I could have been that guy there for them. And if one of them is there, I'm not going to hate on them for picking any of those at 33. But once those guys come off the board, don't just reach and go get a linebacker. Cornerback, one again, much more valuable position. Uh, camera dancer, a very good one. And then Drake Kirkpatrick, not a very good one. Yeah, it's not, not and it's good. not like they don't need cornerback. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know that maybe off-ball yeah. linebacker as a fan you think exactly. is their biggest need, but cornerback's a bigger positional value, and, and you still thin. need cornerback. Cor- they are thin after William Jackson and Drake Kirkpatrick. Drake Kirkpatrick may, may wear, very well be cut with $11 million cap hit and basically, well, how he's played if we've watched and, him. And to talk about the player a little bit more, Cameron Dancer, slight in that frame. I mean, that's the first con you bring yeah. up with Dancer. He's a thin guy. It's interesting to see. It'll be interesting to wild. see what he weighs in at in, mm-hmm. in Indianapolis for the Combine, but what this guy does on the field, he had one of the most productive seasons this past year. No one's talking about about it. What he did against LSU, no cornerback got away with right. against LSU. He did not get toasted. That's what all you have to do against Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and company. Don't get toasted. And Cameron Dantzler did that. Let's go to number 34. Indianapolis Colts via the Washington Redskins. They take quarterback Jake Fromm of Georgia. I'll tell you this right now. I like that pick in the mock draft in February. Come March, I think Indy's going to have a quarterback. I'll tell you that right now. Okay. I think they're going to yeah. bring one in in free agency or make a trade for one. That's the thing. It's about these quarterbacks right now. Is There is just going to be so much sort of upheaval over mm-hmm. the course of the next few months that it's kind of you're throwing shit at the wall to some degree. But I do think that Jake from that, that where the Colts would be smart to address QB because you're going to have this run on QB at the top of the draft is in one of those second round picks, very similar to what the Broncos did last year with Drew Locke because uh, just the risk and sort of w- w- the value you can get at 13, their first round pick versus what you can get at 
in the second round for other positions outside of quarterback is going to be much greater than I think at quarterbacks. Whereas Jake Fromm, to me, I mean, he's ahead of Jordan Love on our board. If you're going to draft Jordan Love in the first, I'd rather have you know Jake Fromm in the second. Yep, there you go. And I think if the if the Indianapolis Colts, and I don't think this is what happens, but the Indianapolis Colts come out of Rangey without a veteran quarterback to replace Jim, uh, Jacoby Brissett. I think Jake Fromm at the top of round two would be a very good selection for them. However, I do think they're going to make a play for Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, they're going to make a play for Philip Rivers. Potentially, I was thinking this maybe they make a play for Derek Carr. If yeah. if you're going to make a, I mean, I think you know you've read these reports from Lombardi of the Athletic saying there is no future for Derek Carr in Las Vegas. If that's the case, I think Chicago, Indianapolis, those are two teams where like yeah. both of those offense coordinators or both of those play callers could win with Derek Carr. And the Colts have all the cap space draft capital in the world to go make a play at whoever wh- whichever guy is available that they want the most they can probably go secure and they have a roster built to win now so yeah. I, I yeah i do agree with you on that so number 35 detroit lions you have a little bit of a love story here a shakespeare special you have romeo aquara yes. pairing with julian yeah Aquara, romeo and julian i i think they did that on purpose i'm gonna go ahead and go on a limb romeo and juliet romeo Fan, and julian just the biggest shakespeare family of all time it has to be i yeah. mean they just have to be And aquara i think that's in one of his as well maybe a sonnet or something along those lines but you have julian aquara the edge defender of notre dame a guy you like more than caleb on chase on you said that all yes. in last week's podcast he yeah. is you like him someone more said than... dumbest take of the draft season oh man that. Well, I don't, one two Wait. is that a part of the no way crowd no way this guy falls to 36 in February, basically, <laughs> yeah. just, I, I, those people, man, I can't, I can't stand those. Guys. <laughs> He's not a mover. There's Uh-oh. zero chance. Uh, yeah, yeah, I work at uh, State Farm in in Minneapolis. I know exactly how this draft is going to go, <laughs> and there's no way he falls. To I read two mocks, and that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you right now, that's not going to happen. Detroit Lions, though, they take Julian Aquara of Notre Dame, an athletic edge defender. That one makes ton of tools, sense. toolsy as hell, super toolsy. And I think you bring my, but my buddy's Lions fan keeps being like, they're not going to, they need edge. They're going to draft edge in the first round. I'm like, no, it makes no sense after Chase Young draft edge in no, the top five right now no. in this draft. Even though AJ Epinesa, I do think fits I like AJ Epinesa. He does fit that defense. But if you're drafting number three overall, no. If no. you're drafting number five overall. If they trade back, maybe they get six a little overall. If you're If you trade back to like the teens, sure. Mm-hmm. If you're not tra- only trading back to like five or six, other positions have much more value. Go ahead and get yours guy in the second if round. If the Detroit Lions, with the trade back, can find a way to get, say they trade back to five, Miami comes up to go grab a quarterback, maybe to a tongue of Iloa, they trade back to five, they still land Jeffrey Akuda, and then they get a, a guy like Aquara at the top of round two. That is a haul for the first two yeah. picks, and they're going to pick up picks with the mm-hmm. with that Miami Dolphins trade. So I think that's very interesting. Let's jump to number 36. New York Giants, they grab edge defender Etor Gross Matos of Penn State. He's a very interesting player. I think he's polarizing as a prospect right now. There's a lot of people that kind of fell in love with this guy late last in 2018 mm-hmm. and even at the start of this year, but he's fallen down board since people have kind of like got a better understanding of this guy's production has not been good. Quite simply, mm-hmm. not good at the collegiate level. Yeah, it's not good enough. It's yeah. one of those things where it's like you're you very much have all the physical tools, but they've never translated to production on the football field. Why? And it's another thing we've said again. It's like if you don't beat off in stacks in college, well, how are you just going to start beating them in the yeah. NFL? They're much better in the NFL, mm-hmm. and they're much more skilled. Those guys uh, have guys, tools, too. Exactly. You know, the NFL guys are not like, you get to the NFL, and, and it's so, like, oh, wow, your tools are so much better than everyone here. No, all of these guys are freakish athletes with good size. He never had a single game with a pass rushing grade over 80 in his entire oh, career. Now, yeah, he was fairly somewhat consistent. He had two-plus pressures in every single game this past year, but he never had more than five. It's just like, it's such an odd, it's such an interesting grading profile in that he's just like solidly good across the board for yeah. every game but never dominant and he has sort of you know the physical traits that you think should have been dominant so it's an odd projection but yeah. uh, but again 
Gettleman, they love big athletes, big long athletes. That's like the, the you whatever, do too scouting as well. I mean, you're a big fan of those. <laughs> well, guys not as in well. football, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> just uh, at the bars. But yeah, uh, no, Etor very much fits that mold. Absolutely, number thirty-seven, Los Angeles Chargers. I, this is one of my favorite favorite cornerbacks in the class, largely because of, I had an opportunity to talk to this guy. I really did love his take on the game and how he approaches it mentally. Bryce Hall of Virginia. You said this in your write-up for this mock draft. Not every team's going to like this guy mm-hmm. because he's very limited from a scheme standpoint. You play this guy in man coverage against some of the better athletes in the NFL, yeah. he's going to get burnt to yeah. a crisp. But you play him in a cover-three heavy scheme where he can lean on zone, playoff coverage, Just lean on his up. instincts, film study. He can actually be a very productive player in the NFL. He goes to Los Angeles Chargers, Bryce Hall of Virginia. Yeah, the comp, Byron Maxwell. I mean, you just Love have it. to throw him into one of those type of schemes, and I think you'll get... Byron Maxwell's production. I mean, you go back to that was good when he was in Seattle. Yeah, he was good when he was in Seattle. You go to Bryce Hall's 2018 season. He led college football in forcing completions, playing a lot of off zone. And in 2019, an injury shortened campaign to an ankle injury. But Bryce Hall, again, I think if he gets healthy, plays in a scheme that you know tailors to his you know strengths. You're going to see a productive mm-hmm. player. And at the top of round two, Los Angeles Chargers play a ton of nickel and dime. I think you get Derwin, Bryce Hall, and this year, Adderley healthy. The Jerry Tillery maybe takes a step forward from a 30 overall grade to a 40. Stop. Now we're talking about really good production for Los Angeles Double Chargers. Double that 30. Get him a 60. <laughs> All right. Number 38, Carolina Panthers. Uh, number 38 pick in the second round here. Carolina Panthers. They grab Jordan Elliott, the highest graded interior defensive lineman in college football this past year. It wasn't Derek Brown. It wasn't Javon Kinlaw. It wasn't Mike Renner. It was Jordan Elliott of Missouri. Missouri. This guy, a very good pass rusher, and I think he adds value to this Panthers defense. Panthers knocked this one out the park this draft. They got Isaiah Simmons in the first round of this mock, Mm -hmm. and then Jordan Elliott in the second round. Two guys who graded extremely well. Two guys we love here at PFF. Uh, Jordan Elliott, the difference between him and Derek Derek Brown in Mm -hmm. our eyes, the guy who, you know, everyone's throwing in the top 10, isn't that big? I mean, they graded out on a very similar sort of plane. Elliott very has very plus physical tools when projecting to the next level. I think he's going to be a great player. And he has that sort of uh, versatility next to a guy like Kawan Short. Kawan Short's good at playing, you know, three tech or nose tackle can just play anywhere along the interior of the defensive line. Jordan Elliott, very similar. And both those guys play in the SEC. It's not like Jordan Elliott was playing bad competition. I think with this, too, the way the Panthers knocked this draft out of the park and knocked this season, this 2020 season out of the park, you go grab Isaiah Simmons at the top. Jordan Elliott at number 38 in the second round. You start a combination of Will Greer and Kyle Allen, tanked to number one overall in 2021, (laughs) and you grab Trevor Lawrence. And the Matt Rule, Joe Brady era, go grabs himself a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, (laughs) Curtis Samuel. You have the receiver, um, Moore, David... DJ Moore. DJ Moore. I mean, I think Oof. you have a young core now. Now, Greg Olson no longer. Yeah. Luke Keekley no longer. But you have no, this young yeah. core of talent with young coaching staff. It's very much in a, it's a, re, it's a rebuild. But it's, it's an exciting rebuild. Yeah. I think they have tools to make it a quicker uh-huh. rebuild than maybe some of the rebuilds that we've seen with the Cleveland Browns, Oakland Raiders that have taken decades now that we're talking. I think no. Carolina can maybe turn this around quickly if they're smart with their choices. Number 39, Miami Dolphins grab cornerback Jalen Johnson of Utah. Guy we've talked about a ton on this podcast. Great production at Utah. I think he's a cornerback that at the top of round two. I mean, this cornerback class at the top of round two is hot. Cameron Dancer, Bryce Hall, Jalen Johnson. Yes. I am very happy with that at, at the top of round two if I am one of these NFL teams. Number 40, Arizona Cardinals. I want to stop on this pick with you. Running back DeAndre Swift of Georgia. Great receiving skills. Mm-hmm. David Johnson could be on his way out of Arizona, though it would be tough to get out of that contract. They have Kenyon Drake, but I think DeAndre Swift with Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, you, you have a nice offense there. I think they just have to get out of the David Johnson contract. Yes, it's going to cost them actually more if they cut him this year than it would 
you know, if they just let him play. But if you're not even if he's going to be healthy scratches in games like he was last year, uh, why even why even bother at this point? Just get get yourself a better cap situation going forward. You're probably not the way the roster's built right now. You're probably not winning the Super Bowl mm-hmm. in 2020. They're just not that great of a team at the moment. So you know, do all you can to make your 2021 season better, which would be cutting David Johnson is getting that cap. But I do think Swift, similarly skilled as a receiver, had 73 catches over the course of his college career. Only three drops on those uh, 73, or I guess it would be 76 catchable balls at that point. Uh, I, we don't love him like some others do, but I can see why you would love him. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there, he kind of just very much looks the part in every aspect of the running back position. Do you think there's a chance? And uh, do you think there's a chance they could trade David Johnson if they trade J- David Johnson before June Who would 1st? Take that out? So hear me out. Hear me out. If they trade David Johnson before June 1st, they take on six million of that cap. Yeah. Then I, I think that allows maybe another team to come in, and, and it's a less of a burden for that team that's coming in and taking that contract. I know no team wants it, but for a late day three, do you take a flyer on David Johnson, or is it not, so like is he so, unapproachable? Wait, so you're are you also getting a pick? If like is this the Brock Osweiler where I'm going to give you Brock Osweiler and a second round pick just so you can eat this cap? I, I don't I don't think anyone's going to trade for him. Really, like you can't even. How unfortunate is that? How unfortunate is that you have you paid the player all this money and you really you know, really like this player and then you know just a few years later you can't even trade him like he's that bad. I mean that's just where running back contracts oh, are right now. Contracts. That is just so difficult. Not even once. Don't even. I mean how even once. I would be so scared if I was Derrick Henry, Melvin Gordon. Even Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, like these guys are actually good. They have multi-million dollar. Okay, but anyway, still, like you just know your ceiling is limited from a contract standpoint because there are teams legitimately afraid of putting more money in your pocket. Yeah, I mean, start any guy, all these running backs, and you start switching to linebacker. That's the that's the real. What are you going to see? The real wave in the coming years. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move forward in this mock draft here. Uh, Jumping to the Cleveland Browns at number 41, they grab wide receiver Justin Jefferson of LSU. I really like that fit. LSU, LSU, go to Cleveland. Odell, Jarvis Landry, Justin Jefferson. I think you want Justin Jefferson in a receiving core that has a ton of talent outside. Yeah. Because that's what gives him the most opportunity to really take advantage of off coverage from the slot. Number 42, you have Jacksonville Jaguars grabbing one of my guys, safety Ashton Davis of Cal. Again, a guy like... A defensive back like Ashton Davis coming at the top of round two who has these tools. I really did like his tape this past year. I think he's getting better as a player. He gets healthy. Jacksonville, that's a step up from Andrew Wingard, in my opinion. Yes, that's a, that's a fair statement, fair assessment. It's a little more speed there in the back end. All right, 43, the Chicago Bears via the Las Vegas Raiders. Out of that end, Oakland no more. Okay, they changed the Twitter handle and everything. That's changing on the website at PFF.com as well. Quarterback Jacob Eason of Washington. Is Jacob Eason... Good enough to maybe replace Mitchell Trubisky in 2020? (laughs) That's a good question. I mean, he very well could. I don't think he's... I I think he will see a fall, though, in this draft. I I don't think that he ends up... I go back and forth on this because he has the big arm, but he there really is just too much bad on his tape to sort of ignore that big arm. The biggest thing being in four of his nine Pac-12 games, he had a grade below 60, passing grade below 60. Like he was just against, you know, four, nine conference games, almost half of them, he just wasn't that good. Yeah. Like that's, that's a bad rate for one, a college quarterback too, even more so for a prospect that you're projecting to play well in the pros. Now, yes, he dominated the likes of Eastern Washington this past year, 349 yards, four tutties, D- dominated the likes of Hawaii, 
262 yards on 25 attempts, three tutties, no picks in that one. He, he dominated some very, very bad defenses. Uh, really only one performance that you can really put, you know, put a pin in, put his, hang his hat on. And that was the Oregon game where he went for, you know, 23 of 30, 289 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. That was a great game for him. But like all these other performances were, got pretty rough at times uh, over the course of the year to where, uh, I, I just don't think anyone's going to be, even with that big arm, going to take that chance in round one. Yeah, and I think if he does fall around two, you start to feel more comfortable about swinging the bat on a quarterback like Jacob. Well, they, oh, swinging the bat, Bears just have to swing. Yeah, like I don't. They're they are not the Indianapolis Colts right now in terms of where they're at with cap wise. Yeah, like they don't have a lot of cap space. They don't have a lot of uh, draft capital to trade. Only five million dollars in cap space right now. Like they just they can't fit another quarterback in there unless they uh, start you know cutting guys on that roster mm-hmm. right now. So it'll be tough for them. This might be the best avenue because uh, we know Mitchell Trubisky is not the best avenue right now. Oh, man. How unfortunate. They find themselves in a bad situation after the Khalil Mack trade. It is, it is very tough. Um, all right. Let's go to 40. Who among us could have seen that <laughs> Number 44, Indianapolis Colts. Wide receiver Brandon Ayuk, Arizona State, the explosive Arizona State product. Great after the catch. I think there's, he adds more than Nikhil Harry. I like Brandon Ayuk a lot more than Nikhil Harry. I think. Love their length. Yes. And he's got 81 inch Stupid arms. Ass build. <laughs> 81 inch arms. He's, he's got to get his own Michael Jordan reach. He has thing. a six that, foot that poster. Six foot nine inch wingspan for a 5'11 for a guy not even six foot tall is one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Yeah. 100%. All right, let's go to 46 Denver Broncos. They grab wide receiver. Oh, no, I'm jumping. I'm 45. Tampa, Tampa, Bay. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, defensive interior, Ross Blacklock, TCU. I've seen this guy mocked in the first round. And I've seen this great guy, athlete. Yeah, he's a really, really good athlete. Explosive yeah. dude off the first step. Outside of that, what are some of the positives in his game? Yeah, so he really is explosive. And he actually, you know, he takes on blocks really well in the run game. Uh, he's still developing as a pass rusher. As you know, we've talked about the TCU guys. They don't teach them how to pass rush. They it's scheme always, and they're slanting, stunting, snap after snap. Not really necessarily just going one on one. So it's kind of a kind of a shitty scheme to eval any D lineman. And like, which was Lyle J Collier comes in the league and looks like he's never you know played before and mm-hmm. can't even crack the roster. So Blacklock's a little bit of a wild card yeah. in that regard. And it's not like writing him off by any means. It's just saying like he has not had the best coaching up to this point in his career. So, uh, and we've said that before about you know some of the TCU defensive linemen that have come yeah. on recent years. I mean, and, and that's just so hard to project. I mean, you have to your coach is going to say, hey, I can I can help this guy from a tool standpoint and add to his game with pass rush moves and different things so that way he can actually come in with all this athletic he does have actually produce at the next level Mm -hmm. back-to-back tcu products number 46 denver broncos wide receiver jalen rager talking to some of the guys in mobile some people were saying denver likes jalen rager in round one i mean and i wouldn't be surprised dude slotting all these wide receivers because they're an absurd amount of wide receiver talent in the first two rounds is difficult like i'm just like like guys are gonna fall again there are guys that are gonna fall whether it's rager whether it's uh some other guys on this list michael pittman going in the later half of round two uh we'll get to later but it's like some of these guys just like there's not going to be enough homes for them because not all these teams are going to be out there looking for a wide receiver so yes even though i've said don't pass on judy and lamb if you're not if you're a top if you don't have those guys and you're drafting maybe 16 17 18 you're probably going to get a good ass you know guy in the round two yeah. at that at that uh, sort of pick as well so I, i'm not sure I think we will see a lot of teams pass this receiving uh, class again. And it goes back to what you said. Like, don't don't draft for need. Always draft the best player available. Stick mm-hmm. to your board. But 
you have to see yeah, yeah you have to see a way like you said this before there has to be a way to the field for your player yeah like you have to say okay i can draft this okay. guy he's not necessarily a position need but i can get him on the field yes. in the next you know you know 10 weeks or so like i can get him on the field this season find ways to involve him in the offense or defense and there are teams that you know have passed on jalen rieger in this mock that like probably don't have a way of getting jalen rieger to the field as opposed yeah. to where he is with the denver broncos 47 atlanta falcons edge defender terrell lewis of alabama i, I think you the write-up was great Go to PFF.com to check it out. You say, if you were going to build an edge defender, it would look a lot like Terrell Lewis, like your ideal guy. But for whatever reason, and I think some of this maybe is not off-field concerns, but like you have to talk to this guy. I, I think that's where this comes up. Why do you look like a superhero with your shirt off, like a, a Clark Kent impersonation, Superman? What? But you're the only one who always brings up the shirt off. Pants. Anyway, let, can we move past that comment and just jump into the <laughs> next thing here? Why do you Why do you have the prototypical? Here's a better thing. Why do you have the prototypical build, but yeah. you don't produce at a high level? Is it yeah. injuries? Or, or, are you not Pick up the playbook. I mean, are you not studying tape? What are your habits? What are your habits off field, on field, all that stuff? And I think with Terrell Lewis, I bet you it's a big part of the equation. All right, New York Jets center Caesar Ruiz of Michigan. We haven't talked about him a ton. I see him in the back end of the of the first round. He goes to the New York Jets in this two round mock at number forty eight. Where are you with Caesar? Yeah, I think he has all the athleticism, and he like he's three hundred twenty pounds. Doesn't play like a guy three hundred. He plays like a three hundred pound sort of center. Like he moves very well. It's been very good in pass pro. I think he's just a little raw still at this point in center. Again, not a super value position. Center's, I think, right behind. Uh, center and guard going to be right behind. Uh, Jesus, blank running back now yeah. in terms of value. And it's just like not going to move the needle much. So you're going to be a little lower on our board. And I think there's enough concerns with him uh, in terms of we're just going to be I think he's good in the second round. I think that's probably not. You could see him sneaking in the back half of round one for a team like maybe the 49ers. But then I think after that, similar to where Elton Jenkins went uh, last year, I see them almost on a similar level. 49 Pittsburgh Steelers tight end Hunter Bryant of Washington tight end one for PFF right now. He does go to the second round Pittsburgh picking him up 50 Chicago Bears center Lloyd Cushenberry. Uh, the third from LSU. He did not have a good senior bowl. I think that's, I mean, that's a big reason why I think you maybe haven't fallen down to 15 in the round two. No, he had a good senior bowl. You liked his senior bowl? Yeah, he had the highest win rate of anyone there. He didn't have a good season this past year oh, okay. in terms of, he had he allowed actually the most pressure. I still feel like he got outshined by his his, his homie. Damian Lewis yeah. is great. Yeah, too. Damian they Lewis both, really looked good. They both led the interior off line in terms of win rate in the one-on-ones that week. So okay. they're both very good. Um, I, I just, yeah, he's just not the athlete. I think he can play, I think he'd almost be better at guard than he is at center. Um, and he was obviously the center at LSU and uh, going to Chicago, he would be there uh, to play guard uh, just because I think, you know, on the move is not where I want him to be. He was just so much better, like in a phone booth. I don't know. I, I just think he, he could play either at this point. So, okay. 51 Dallas Cowboys, Jeff Gladney, the cornerback of TCU. We haven't talked about this guy enough, in my opinion. I think he's a PFF guy. He's graded well in the past. Mm -hmm. um, a, a very physical corner, but I think he also has very good speed. I think he's going to surprise people with his long speed at the combine. I think going to Dallas, I mean, Dallas, again, we said this this entire second round. There's some defensive backs in the top of the second round that Dallas can't afford to pass on like they did with Juan Thornhill. They yeah. can't afford to pass on um, like they did with other guys. I think Jeff Gladney. The Dallas Cowboys would be very, very happy with Gladney at 51 in this in this draft. Yeah, and it, it just looks like Byron Jones gone at mm -hmm. this point. Yeah. It, it, the writing almost on the wall. It's going to be very difficult for them to fit him, Amari Cooper, and all Dak. these guys at Dak, and, and then uh, you know a handful of other guys that they also need to resign. Robert Quinn, Malik Collins. They have a lot of guys hitting for agency right now. So uh, I do think he's probably going to be axed, and then you're not gonna you're not gonna throw. 
you know, Jordan Lewis at outside cornerback. I just mm-hmm. don't think, I don't think he has the speed that you trust there. Jeff Gladney. Uh, so Lewis much more, you know, suited to the slot. Gladney has that speed, has the length. He's just so slightly built, which like yeah. for being a senior, he's listed at 183. Oh man. Like, that's wild for a six foot corner. Uh, and he looks very skinny on tape as well. Is probably why he's going to drop. If he had, you know, if he was 200 pounds with his production profile, he'd probably be a first rounder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd, I'd be, he'd be in that conversation because he's been very good, you know, in the Big 12. He's been probably the best cornerback in the Big 12 over the past two years. And again, it goes back to, I mean, this combine is very important for a lot of these guys to measure well. I mean, Curtis Weaver, Jeff Gladney, I mean, Cameron mm-hmm. Dancer. There's a lot of guys like, hey, man, you need a, there's a weight you need to hit. At the size you're at and the position you want to play in the next level, if you want to go in the first round, if yeah. you want to like breach those top 32 picks, I think Gladney is in that tier. Um, something I wanted to say there with Dallas Cowboys, the free agency thing you mentioned, it was a, fun, a good stat we tweeted out um, from the main account was all three of the Dallas Cowboys' most valuable players this past year are free agents. Yeah. Dak, Amari, and Byron Jones. That is a concern. So wild. That is a concern. And that's going to be difficult to resign those guys. But let's go to 52, Los Angeles Rams. Uh, one of my favorite off-ball linebackers in this class, Akeem Davis-Gaither of App State. Guy who's going to be, like you said, like fits the, where the NFL is going at the off-ball linebacker position. Get a guy that can cover. Get a guy that has athleticism, versatile, and that he can rush the passer and play coverage. Affect, positively affect the passing game. That's all we want you to do at linebacker. You can run, you, if you want to run stuff, you can run stuff. But I need you to positively affect yep. the passing game. And Corey Littleton. Probably gone. Yep. Another guy that's probably going to get paid pretty fat yeah. in the offseason. Looking at last year, how off-ball linebackers were treated, Quan Alexander, mm-hmm. CJ Mosley, those guys are getting right. paid money. I think I could see Corey Little, yeah. Littleton getting a similar check. 53, Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Noah Igbenogany of Auburn. Uh, I pronounced that name like a freaking dream. Anyway, this guy, we haven't, ta- we haven't talked about him a lot. I, I watched I watched some of his tape recently very fast. Yeah. Recovery. Out the butt. I mean, this guy can mm. burn down kids. I mean, Al- we, we, the Alabama game is the one you have to watch. You watch Noah Gnogany against Alabama, against these fast receivers, Ruggs, Judy, etc. He sticks with all. Yeah, it's like it's, and that's the thing. It's like he never looks like he's real. Never was really getting torched, or never really. But he's not affecting games either. He only no. six pass breakups this past year. Not a single pick. Uh, like was giving up stuff that you just like. He's ticked behind. You wish he would have been better at, and that's why I thought he could have come back because because you, you see the high level. You see him being very athletic, being uh, some reps like you said in the Alabama game where he he looks like he should be sticking or is sticking with the this very talented receiving core. But why did he give up 431 yards this past year? Mm-hmm. You know why why did he give up as much as he did? And if he could have come back and really dominated and shine next year, you could have been seeing him playing his way into the first round sort of mix. So I do think he's very much a solid day two though pick that, you know, quote unquote upside guy. Yeah. Where, where, I mean, where you saw him lack <laughs> instinctually and technically is stuff that he could have maybe improved yeah. if he stayed at yeah. Auburn. But More the high end, the stuff that you can't really coach, this guy's got it all. And then some mm-hmm. in terms of speed, athleticism, all of those things. 54 Buffalo Bills, cornerback Darnay Holmes, UCLA, probably going to play the slot the next level. But in the Buffalo Bills defense, I, I was you can say that's the thing. That's why I think the Bills could be covered him that high is because he's not necessarily pigeonhole into a slot in a, a super zone heavy defense like that. Mm-hmm. And, and Darnay Holmes, man, I, I, I wa- he hasn't played, I mean, he hasn't played a ton of zone. He even admitted that the, at the senior bowl. He's, I, I haven't played a ton of zone, but he said, I, I, I can, I can make plays in zone because I'm fast. I'm, in, I'm instinctual and I make, you know, I'm quick to react. I very much saw is. him in zone a little bit, the senior bowl in the practices. Mm-hmm. This guy's got burst. This guy's got quickness. And I think give him more familiarity, more experience in zone. He's going to make some plays. I was talking to some people at the senior bowl. I don't know if you know this about Darnay Holmes, but he went to UCLA when he was committing to UCLA. He said, Hey, I'm going to graduate in about two years. I'm out. 
Like that, it's like I'm, I'm going to graduate. I need to get money for my family. Like he was like, I am not going to be here for a long time. Yeah. And I think it's a big reason why. Because he was, I think he's what going into his junior year next year, or maybe it was his that was his junior year. Was okay, last year, well, so. he's going into his senior year next year, and and still graduate on time to be an early entry for the senior ball. It mm-hmm. was potentially going to transfer. But he's like, dude, I got to get to the NFL. And I think this yeah. guy's a determined dude, former five star. Love his personality, and I think put him in his own scheme where you can kind of protect him in that regard from a size standpoint. I think he could have success. Buffalo Bills love that fit at fifty four. Atlanta Falcons um, at 55. The, um, Neville Gallimore of Oklahoma, athletic defense tackle. I wish he did a had a better senior bowl. I want him to really and blow now, up at the senior bowl. Quite. But I mean, there were a, there were a handful of nice reps. Yeah. I didn't say I didn't say he had a bad senior bowl, but I still wish. I think if he was going to enter that first round conversation for me, yeah. I needed to see just a dominant senior bowl. Falcons get now Christian Fulton, Terrell Lewis. Neville Gallimore, the first three picks. In the, That's hot. That is pretty hot. And after going all O line last year, really addressed the D line, which I think they need to because it's been pretty trash outside of Dre Jarrett. And the other interesting thing here is after everyone's banging this table for, oh, yo, that, that trade for Muhammad Sanu was, that was basically a third rounder. It's 55 overall. That's a real, that's a real pick now. Like the Patriots have to be having some regret. Not some, a lot of regret All, over that. Only, like, only regret. That, that was a terrible, terrible, Force. terrible trade. It was trading for need, and like you got fleeced. Yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunate for the New England Patriots. Uh, number 56, Miami Dolphins, edge defender Jonathan Grenard of Florida, the better edge defender coming out of Florida this year. Jabari Zuniga, I think mm-hmm. we're lower on than Jonathan Grenard. And 57, Houston Texans grab a running back. Running back Jonathan Taylor of Wisconsin. Duke Johnson, Carlos Hyde. You know, I, I like Duke Johnson. They don't use him enough. I don't think they utilize him the right way. But Carlos Hyde, Jonathan Taylor is an upgrade over Carlos. That's Hyde. the thing. It's the Carlos Hyde, which is, you know, he's been a very below average running back over the course mm-hmm. of his career. Like he just has keeps catching on because he was, a, you know, was he a second round draft pick back in the day. But Duke Johnson, uh, they're determined to use him as a pure basically receiver at this point. Uh, in his career and not actually give him a full-time role. Uh, no one really seems to be. So if you're not going to give him a full-time role, get you a different running back. Obviously, we're not going to endorse getting a guy this high. Oh, God. What was <laughs> My that? Apple Watch. Apple Watch coming on? Got Siri. Uh, I have no idea what's here. happening here. Um, uh, drafting a guy this high, we're not going to endorse. But uh, there's no like nothing in his production profile as a runner that's going to scare me. Over 1,300 yards averaged in his career after contact. This mm-hmm. is absurd. Jonathan Taylor uh, is a big Cablos guy. Contact at or behind the line of scrimmage yards after. And I think he does. Oh. When he's getting contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage, he has the best yards per carry average he in just, college football. Uh, no Cablos. one's ever said Cablos. Yeah, everyone before, says yeah. Cablos. Anyway, Jonathan Taylor is one of the better guys in that staff. 58 Minnesota Vikings guard Damian Lewis, the phone booth guy that dominated the senior bowl, really came away impressed with him there. 59 Seattle Seahawks, Ben Barch of St. John's. If you don't know the name, know it now. This guy had a dominant senior bowl largely because small school guy no one recognizes the helmet here comes his first one-on-one rep and he stuffs him jabari zuniga had no chance yeah. i mean he did a really really good job against power five senior bowl competition to a point where like this guy belongs yeah and when well, you belong you go number two in the second round yeah super impressive over the course of that week and i i still don't it's still difficult to be like okay but they're that guy in round one because he's not super no. physically he's not the most physically imposing in terms of you know athleticism agility that sort of thing but i think he's close like he's he was really damn good he impressed me kind of reminds me a lot of what ali marpet did coming out of hobart where i was just like yeah, there's no real reason why i don't think this guy should be up there like he, he's he really does have it all uh from like a 
uh, it really does look the part. It's just he's coming from the small school and you just haven't seen it. Yeah, you, know, you haven't really. You don't seen have enough reps. You don't have enough exactly. reps against. You don't like have enough reps. Future you know? NFL players. I mean, so that's just, why the Senior Bowl is so big for guys yeah. like Ben Barch. So it's difficult, but I still think he he makes it into that sort of. Uh, second round mix because of how tackle needy just NFL teams are and how, how tackle needy the Seattle Seahawks are yeah, exactly. and have they been for the last five plus years or wherever it has well, been. Six, sorry, number 60, Baltimore Ravens, Michael Pittman Jr. I love this fit. I, I think Michael Pittman, I don't know if he falls this far. He could though with how deep this class is, like you said, but him going to the Baltimore Ravens, you mentioned the write-up, the Ravens of any team need need receivers that can run block. Yeah. And Michael Pittman like, is one of those bigger guys that can do it. I've said before, I, I run blocking doesn't factor in for me at all into mm-hmm. a wide receiver's evaluation. It, it doesn't matter. Laquan Treadwell was a generational run blocker at mm-hmm. receiver. Look how much that helped him in the NFL to get playing time. It's just like it doesn't. Like it doesn't matter. In high school uh, it helps though. Like if you don't yes. run block, you're not going to see the field. We run the wing tee. <laughs> but exactly. But like when you have a when you have a quarterback running out to the edge, uh, then oh yeah, it matters a little bit. Like yeah. that if that's consistently a part of your offense, it couldn't it can matter a little bit. I so also I will think say San Francisco. I think San Francisco is a team that's going to value run blocking the receiver position for how often they're running outside now. Yeah. I mean they run outside of a lot and really rely on their receivers from the slot and mm-hmm. outside to make some plays. I don't know. Again, I agree that like it shouldn't factor it huge in your shouldn't factor in. And they've also drafted, you know, Dante Pettis, who's 185 pounds, Debo Samuel, who's like Emmanuel Sanders. Like, these, guys, not, yeah. these, these guys they're are not, just willing exactly. run block. Not necessarily good ones, but yeah, I mean, so. that's all you really need to be. Again, that's a small, it's a small bar to get over. Yeah. Just try, and we should be okay yeah. there. All right, 61, Tennessee Titans, another running back, J.K. Dobbins, Ohio State. I, 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 this guy's such a... a he fits the mold of a Ohio State running back in Carlos Hyde, Zuka Elliott, and his, his style well, and how he approaches the game. Don't throw Carlos Hyde down with those. No, guys. not Carlos Hyde. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's probably fair. But J.K. Dobbins, I think, from a vision standpoint, I mean, yeah. everyone raves about his vision, but I think it's legit. Yeah. Oh, it very much is. And he's got a little more speed, I think, than Derrick Henry. We'll see what he tests out the combine. Uh, so a little bit of a home run threat. And, and, that, and that vision going to just fit nicely. I just don't think they sign Derrick Henry again. They re-sign. I think he goes elsewhere somewhere. Some other team is going to make that mistake. Yep. Number 62, Green Bay Packers. Wide receiver KJ Hamler, Penn State. We have not talked about this guy enough, in my opinion. I, I, I really like KJ Hamler. At the, at the back end of round two, I start to like him even more from a value standpoint. Speedy, yeah. good from the slot. Oh, and yeah. when you have when you can produce from the slot, and I think produce after the catch like KJ Hamler, back end of round two, top of round three is where I start to feel pretty comfortable about KJ. Yeah, he's got... He, Probably from like a standstill to, you know, like a half second or split second afterwards. He's he accelerates the fastest of any wide receiver in this class. He really is special in that regard. Just bounces in and out of his cuts. But dudes, his ball skills are just rough. And he's really? 5'9", 175, very undersized, 12 drops uh, and 68 catchable this past year. Uh, it's like he did, just does not have good ball skills, even once attacking it. Like he had, he had a couple of nice 50 50 balls where he, yeah, there's got a couple. To, I mean, but, it shows up sometimes, but it's he's spotty. really like it's, yeah, it's really not going to be his game whatsoever. And that's just, that's worrisome. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially if you so want to protect dynamic. him to win intermediate and deep levels, like yeah. you have to be able to track the ball, he's, not even just contest the catch situations uh, to expand on the, the term ball skills. Yeah. It's approaching the ball to a point where you always have leverage and have advantage down the football yes. field. And that really it, comes up the most when you're, you're trying to win intermediate and deep level routes because you're not always going to have the guy on the turf after a double move a lot of the times you're going to have to use leverage and, and yeah, well, body control the, and, get it done. and also because the ball it's just 
difficult to put it accurately, like perfectly in stride to a guy yeah. that far down the football field. It's easy on a five yard well, out. You already have a small catch radius, and yeah. now you're approaching the ball exactly. like a, like a like a bum. That's it's the worst thing. Things. It's, it's going to make things yeah. easy. But if they you want this guy to carve it up though, within six yards, he's doing yeah. crossers, he's getting things after the catch. Dope I like it. Yeah, absolutely. Real nice on that. Sixty-three. Kansas City Chiefs via the San Francisco 49ers cornerback Troy Pry Jr. One of the heroes of the combine, like won a ton of reps in the one on ones, or not combine senior bowl. Won a ton of reps in the one on ones. Really elevated his stock cut himself a pretty nice check i think he was a day three guy if you know if he didn't have yep. a, a really really Possibly. good senior bowl and i think now but he's also i mean i don't think he's ever gonna be a day three guy because he's still gonna speed. run a four three yeah his speed he's is still gonna fly and yeah. that's gonna play that plays in the nfl you know all day decently i think yeah all right 64 seattle seahawks uh defensive tackle justin matabuke texas a and we're gonna finish on on, the, on this one i know you're a big matabuke fan back end of round two you gotta fall in love with that yeah I, I think it's a very good value at that point and put up over 40 pressures each of the last two years it, it is a little worrisome that he actually from a grading perspective pass rushing grade took a step backwards this year run defense grade a little step backwards. you never like, like to see that in the grading is always concerning because uh, you got to keep improving. So I like his quickness, though. And he does, he has reps on tape that, I mean, very much look like an NFL defense tackle that can rush the passer. Something we don't bring up enough is, is that is that importance in trending up in the grading. And now that we especially have college football data, grades, advanced stats since 2014, we're able to see full careers for guys since freshman year to senior year. And the expectation for top end prospects, guys that are going on day one and day two, is this constant trending up, especially for guys like Matt Buque, Blacklock, Troy Pride, guys that like, yeah, you're going to love his athleticism, but this guy yeah, needs to show that athletic. he can get yeah. better, show that he can take feedback, mm-hmm. add, develop all of these things. I think that's so, so important for yeah. these guys. And I think Matt Abuke, seeing him start to kind of top out a little bit, yeah. he got a little scared. Him, as I say, him and Jordan Elliott were on similar grading levels at the end of 2018. Elliot. Jordan Elliott was like, hey, I'm yeah. uh, now the best. And yeah. Matt Abuke maybe took exactly. not a step back, but I, uh, I mean, I it guess it is same. a step back. Maybe yeah. it is a step back. Um, that's going to do it for the, 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 the round two mock draft that you know PFF has on PFF.com. Go ahead and check that out on the website. You can also see it on YouTube, all of those things. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. This has been Austin Gale, Mike Renner, 2 for 1 Drafts. 